Alright, what is going on everybody? This is your man L. Jamal coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounce. Uh, first things first, I'd like to send a special shout out to all the fathers out there. Happy belated Father's Day. I know it was yesterday, but here we are today. Uh, much shout out to the fathers out there in the world. Uh, single fathers, two parent fathers, don't really matter. Uh, all the ones doing anything. I definitely wouldn't have been here without the father figures in my life. Uh, so, uh, special shout out to them as we normally do. Uh, but let's get right into it. At this time with the world on the street we have quite a bit to go over today so let's get right into it with the world on the street and uh it looks as though uh there's some tensions with us in russia i did talk about this uh a prelude into this my next my last episode uh but there's also been some issues that i've talked about and highlighted between us and russia over the past year or so so let's get right into it like i said uh now uh this story here is coming from newsweek but i'm going to break this one down here uh russian foreign minister sergey uh lavrov has been encouraging both you uh both the u.s president uh trump and then also russia's president uh, vladimir P uh, putin excuse me to sign a nuclear treaty uh this is a quote coming directly from him uh, in terms, in political terms, of course, it is of fundamental importance that Russia and the United States calm the rest of the world and adopt a joint declaration at the highest level that a nuclear war cannot be won and that, uh, and, that and therefore it is unacceptable and admissible. Now, this is a quote coming directly from Sergei Lavrov. Like I said, that is the, that is the foreign uh, minister from Russia. Uh, this is also another quote. I think it's, it's kind of along the similar line. This is coming from Air Force General John Hyten. Nuclear war cannot be won and therefore must not be must uh, therefore must never be fought. So, again, you get the idea of it's not important. Uh, it's not. Well, I mean, of course, we still have our issue between the two countries. Uh, but, of course, a nuclear uh, nuclear interaction is the last thing we seem to both sides seem to uh, be pushing for right now. They really don't want any parts of that right now. Uh, but General Hyten also warned about Russia and China increasing their nuclear arsenal as well. The U.S. and Russia have been the world's largest have the world's largest arsenals actually, and it's. Um, like I said, they have the world's largest arsenal, and this is by multiple miles. I'll get to the, you know how many nukes they got in just a second, but the the, the sheer number uh, for both of these countries is amazing, especially when you compare it to the rest of the world. Uh, like I said, both sides, however, uh, they don't want a conflict, but they keep producing yo uh, low yield nukes, uh, which do not. You know, they don't do as much damage uh, as, the, of course, the, the ones that we've been hearing about uh, all these years. But uh, they'll be likely to be um, they'll be more likely to be used if there's some type of a conflict. So regardless, uh, because we have so many of them, because we're producing so many of them, if there were to be a situation, uh, the chances, the likelihood of them being used is very high. Now, in February, uh, the U.S. Uh, recently withdrew from the 1987 intermediate uh range uh intermediate range nuclear forces treaty which prohibited the use of nukes with the ranges of 310 and 3420 miles and they signed that with russia and like i said I, I actually talked about this as well back when it happened uh but they uh during the cold war at least the latter parts of the cold, cold war actually when it pretty much was over uh the u.s and russia decided to sign a nuclear agreement because again uh there was some frictions there uh but again that was a part of uh this you know this swaying all those 10 kind of easing those tensions so in 87 they signed a, an agreement uh that would that pretty much like i said um 
it was it covered the, the use just like a, just like the, the the treaty says uh it covered the use of intermediate range nuclear forces so uh, again uh recently the u.s pulled out of that and they have not been looking to uh modify that for you know today's purposes uh russia has which has been trying to reach out and the u.s is not there uh the u.s would also move on to accuse russia of making loots that violated the terms of this deal uh russia would go on to argue that the u.s defense uh systems for nuclear uh, weapons can also be used to attack uh, certain people can use to be attacked as well can use to attack people as well so uh, there's definitely some disagreements between uh, between two countries on on the use of their nuclear weapons um, there seems to be in a in a discrepancy about what they're producing how much each country is producing uh so this is very this is this is somewhat crazy here so uh russia has also been uh also been imploring the u.s to help like i said uh the also they had another uh treaty uh the russia has also been imploring the u.s to renew the strategic arms reduction treaty which was signed which was signed in 91 excuse me uh start as it was called uh start as it was called uh control the number of nukes being controlled uh produced excuse me by both countries um again it, i don't know if all that matters because again the, the the number of nukes that both this country has is far and away uh far and away what any other country has but let's break this down real quick the the uh, russian uh, army the russian military currently has 6800 nukes our government our military uh, out here in america currently has 6600 nukes so we all we both both countries basically have almost 7000 nuclear warheads the next leading country is france with 300 now we're always talking about north north korea and how much of a threat it could be or whatever they only have 20 nukes uh china has somewhere around 215 something like that so nowhere near uh what you know i to me 22 20 nukes and 250 nukes for china is not uh to me it's not as scary as 6800 or 6600 uh so or even france's 300 again does not compare to the u.s and russia they have they have way more nukes they have way more bombs uh these guys are the real threats if you ask anybody if we're talking about in the nuclear community let's let's keep it real here North korea again they only have 20 nukes we've been trying to demonize them for don't get me wrong i'm not saying that they're innocent in any way like that but uh the whole nuclear proliferation thing i think it's a big uh it's i think it, they're kind of they're kind of stretching it there with north korea now that i know that the facts they only got 20 nukes i think they're kind of pushing that line a little bit too hard uh trump has proposed a three-way agreement with russia as well as china but china has refused chinese foreign minister Liu kang no not for mortal combat no name is Liu Kang, no. His name is Liu Kang, L-U-K-A-N-G, okay? But it's not for Mortal Kombat. I did not make this up, okay? Uh, he has accused the U.S. of not keeping up with any of the recent agreements, including the 2015 Iran nuclear deal in 2015, which I've also talked about the U.S. Uh, withdrawing from that uh, last year as well. So, again, uh, the U.S. is looking to... Well, I don't know what it's looking to do, but it's not making any friends right now. Uh, it's... I think again they're a little bit uh they're of course the discrepancy is who's making these bombs 
uh, how many of you got uh, how many is each country producing and it does not look to me as though um, of course China feels left out because they have a significantly smaller arsenal uh, so they I can see them not really wanted to make that much of a deal with anybody because they have one of the smallest arsenals of all these developed nations I mean even France has more nukes than China I wouldn't I was a little bit surprised about that uh, but again Russia and the USA have the, have the most out of both countries and it's not even close uh, and they are the real big culprits of the nuclear proliferation don't believe the hype i know they're going to try to you know throw iran under the bus i'm going to get to them in just a second in another uh news story uh, they're going to try to throw north korea under the bus but again north korea only has 20 nukes yes they might have a crazy leader who might do something crazy maybe that's why they were so worried about um you know north korea in this situation but again when you got 6600 nukes and also 6800 in terms of russia i'm more worried about those number of nukes in the 20 that north korea got but that's me but that's me and uh just to just to reiterate everything uh russia for what it's worth is trying to uh you know open up those talks to improve those deals the u.s is not trying to again uh, it's a little bit of another wrinkle because of course uh with all the collusion going on and the infiltration by the Russian government, you're starting to say, well, I thought these people might have had uh, somewhat of a connection uh, in terms of winning this election. Maybe uh, the Russians just undermined our election and infiltrated infiltrated, uh, and hacked just a hack, not even for a specific purpose, not necessarily to uh, become allies with Trump. Maybe it was just to just, you know, uh, overrun our political system and make it look stupid now. That's what I'm seeing here now. Uh, after the election, they're starting to have this this breakup, this 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 falling out amongst friends. We thought Trump and Putin were buddy buddy coming into this situation. I thought they were, especially again with them rigging the election, which. That's what we're seeing that the Russians did. So for for them to be for them to have hacked the election, uh, now to come up to basically fall out of favor uh, with us um, in terms of these nuclear negotiations, I just think it adds another wrinkle. Um, maybe this relationship between Trump and Putin was a little bit more rocky and dicey than what we originally uh, pictured. But again. It's a weird situation. That's all I'm going to say. Um, finally, in my uh, word on the street, we do have a, I'm going to call it, just go out on a limb and call it a false flag right now between the U.S. and Iran. A U.S. Japanese, I'm uh, sorry, not a U.S., but a Japanese oil tanker uh, exploded on the Gulf of Oman this Friday. Um, and that's near the Gulf of Arabia. We're talking about in the Middle East, uh, Middle East uh, area. Now, Trump is already claiming it was done by Iran. There was also a video that they claim um, that was released or given to them and the u.s central command uh now again the ship uh they're claiming that the u uh that the ship was hit by a lampet mine uh by iraq iranians uh apparently there was in, in the video that they, that they do have that was surfaced uh they saw somebody cleaning off um, the side of a boat which appeared to be a hole on the side of the boat that they were apparently were fixing or whatever uh but according according to the owner of the boat yataka katata uh he says that it was hit by a flying projectile. He's also the president of the Kokotau Sangyo Company. Now, again, he's saying that it was just hit by a, you know, a simple flying projectile. I, I Again, this is another confusing story because when the flying, you know, projectiles just set off an explosion on anything. Again, maybe you're dealing with, you're definitely dealing with some um, harsh chemicals. Okay, you got some oil with you uh, again, but I don't see how just a flying projectile that just hits the ship 
you know, sets it off like that. Uh, there's no real evidence for it being a landmine or, or any type of bomb. Uh, so I'm going to, at the moment, I'm going to say it's a false flag here. Uh, I think Trump is trying to pull uh, Iran into some stuff. Again, they're trying to, it looks like they're trying to create something to me with this this attack here because again first thing first thing trump says is it was a bomb or whatever it was a landmine uh, you also have uh, mike pompeo the u.s secretary of defense also claiming that as well again you have the ship owner saying it was a uh, flying projectile again i don't see where a flying projectile just sets an off an explosion so again this is a confusing story I'm going to need to get some more notes on it, but I wanted to let you guys know that it did happen. Again, we were going to talk. I want to talk more about this beef with Iran. We had been talking about this. So there we go. I kind of don't, don't get the, the I, I don't have the, 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 the full story on this one. I'm going to do some investigation. I'm, I'm going to put on some detective work and um, all that. Put my, put my detective hat on. And I'm going to come back to you with some more, some more knowledge here. Uh, but for me, I'm going to, I'm just going to call it like as I see it. Just through the facts that I've seen and what I've been able to comprehend, I'm going to say for now it's a false flag in order to pull uh, pull us into some situation with Iran. We already uh, brought the ship over there, the USS Abe Lincoln. I talked about that a couple of days ago. We already got some ground forces there. It does not look good. It looks like we're trying to basically uh, exacerbate a situation that's not really there. That's me. Uh, but I'm going to take a quick break, y'all. And when I come back, we're going to uh, talk some sports. Of course, I'm going to start everything off with an with some NBA Finals aftermath, we'll be going over just a couple more, um, just a couple more tidbits about uh, takeaways from the the, the finals, uh, what to look for next year uh, with both teams. Uh, we got a little bit to talk about there, and then we got some news. We got a big trade going on in the NBA right now. Of course, I'm pretty sure a lot of you guys know about it. Anthony Davis has become a Laker, so we're going to talk about that, break that down, and then uh, to wrap everything up. Everything up, of course. Uh, this is the beginning of the week, so we're going to be going over some baseball scores from yesterday as well as the standings um yeah and we'll be right back y'all all right now all right y'all i am back and it's been some time i believe about a week or so uh the nba finals has ended we've got a chance to think about everything and digest everything and all feelings aside uh, we're gonna have one last uh overall about um this finals uh just talk a little bit about uh the aftermath what's to look for for next year of course we do have some some news to talk about you know that's referring that's dealing with both these teams kind of um in a couple of days i'll give you guys a final synopsis of the season in general um but let's let's just go over let's just for today let's just go over the finals one last time and talk about everything uh, now, for what it's worth, uh, I know there's a, a sentiment out there that, um, you know, the Warriors were wounded, wounded Warriors. Um, of course, that was a factor. Uh, let's break that down a little bit. Of course, you have KD's uh, injuries. Uh, he says he, he strained his right calf originally, game five of the Western Conference semis. Uh, he st he stood out, or he was out for a while, uh, was out completely the entire next round was a conference semis. He did miss a couple of games of the finals as well. Uh, he was able to come back for game five, but unfortunately he ruptured his Achilles. Uh, he will be missing uh, the, the next of uh, next season, regardless of where he plays. Uh, but like I said before, there was a somewhat of a silver lining for him uh, because of course it did not really affect his 
free agency. Uh, he has a chance to opt in for $31 million from the Warriors. If he decides to do that, they owe him $31 million, so he gets paid there. Uh, gets a definite pay increase. Uh, there's also some teams willing to offer him the max and willing to uh, waive the injury clauses. So I believe it was the Nets, possibly the Knicks as well. Uh, of course, I mean, if given a chance, I'm pretty sure his hometown team, the Washington Wizards, could as well. Um, I'm not too sure if anybody on the, in the Western Conference wants to deal with it outside of the Warriors, if anybody would want to take them on. I, I don't think I heard anything outside of the Warriors, uh, but it's, of course, there's still a, a chance that he goes back to Golden State. Uh, he could go somewhere else next season. This is all dependent on, um, uh, on what his choice is. Again, I do not like the way that Golden State handled that. Uh, I feel like, uh, there was something significant about his injury to begin with, even going back to that, uh, I believe it was game five of the, of the conference semifinals. Uh, there was something very uh, con very serious about the injury event. I felt like they rushed him back for the finals. Um, I don't like the move they made. Uh, but again, they have a chance to redeem themselves, uh, give him a, 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 a ample opportunity. Of course, they'll, the Warriors be able to pay him what he's due. Of course, um, they'll give him. They they better give him the ample opportunity to rest. Uh, they have all the resources there uh, in the Bay Area. We have all the money here. Uh, so if he decided to stay, he'd be well taken care of. Of course, you got that Kaiser sponsorship uh, for what that's worth. So he'll have some health officials around. He better, uh, and uh, so he'll be taken care of. So um, I'm gonna. I'm going to uh, give KD whatever, uh, where, where, wherever he decides to go, uh, definitely props. He had a really good season on his for what it's worth. And uh, uh, even in that game five, he might have been playing with an injury, but he did put up 11 points in a, in a very small amount of, of minutes. And uh, believe it or not, that just that little, that's that little boost of 11 points was enough in that game, especially when they won by one. So uh, definitely uh, something to build upon if he decides uh, to come back, you know, that does not, uh, you know, just, just having him out for a season, you know, it hurts. But again, you know, whoever, you know, whoever does sign him, uh, whether it be Golden State re-signed him or anybody else, one of these other teams with a max contract, when he's healthy, they got, you know, one of the best players out there. So uh, moving on, we also got Clay. Uh, he injured. Uh, he had a couple injuries as well. Uh, he missed game, uh, game three of the finals with a uh, hamstring sprain. Um, you know what? He played really well. In game six, uh, put up about thirty points, maybe a little bit more than that. Uh, but again, uh, he tore he tore his ACL, and I think that was probably with you know the injuries that the the smaller injuries that Steph had. Of course, we heard about him dislocating one of his fingers. Uh, I think Iggy, yeah, Iggy was even having some injury uh, issues as well. Uh, Clay just just in my opinion just seemed to be the straw that broke the camel's back. Uh, like I said, uh, I think I, I was at, definitely at work uh, when I heard about him touring his, tearing his ACL. Uh, one of my coworkers had told me uh, that he got that via text, and I'm like, if it's true, it's over. I didn't want to hear. I didn't want to listen to it at first. I'm like, nah, 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 that can't be true. But uh, you know, if if it were to have been true, then I mean, there was no way the Warriors could have won that series, and. Um, that's what the truth ended up being. Um, I'm not too sure how ACL works per se. I don't think he's gonna miss the entire season like uh like if Kevin Durant. Uh, so Clay will be back. Um, I I don't see I, of all the players that are free agents on that Warriors squad this year. I am almost certain that Clay comes back. Clay would be the biggest surprise to me if he doesn't come back. Uh, you know, uh, definitely 
if you were to say anybody is more likely to go, maybe Kevin Durant. I mean, even now in the past couple of weeks, you know, um, you don't know. You don't know if that's something he wants to do. You don't know if that's something that the organization wants to do. They, I definitely didn't hear the organization really saying that that was an option. They haven't been speaking as though that's an option. They haven't brought it up. Um, Kevin Durant has been mute or kind of, you know, uh, I would say, uh, if anything, at the, at the very worst, it didn't you know, mixed signals about it the entire year. He's been sending mixed signals about what he wants to do. But again, we got time. We'll figure all that out. Uh, but I'm pretty sure Clay is going to stay. Uh, he's not going to be done for an entire year, like like I said, KD. So you'll have him uh, at some point, Warriors fans. Um, definitely, depending on what you guys do in the offseason, uh, that'll determine, you know, what you'll have, uh, you know, game one, of course, of, of, of the new season. Uh, but, of course, it'll determine what you guys are able to, to maintain during the season. And and if somebody like a Clay is able to come back, let's see what type of position y'all be in. I would be more so concerned because you already got to worry. You already know that Clay's out of there for at least a, a, an absorbent amount of time. You also got Katie out of there. I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying. If I'm the Warriors, I'm trying to bring in really a, a, a solid, a solid uh, two role players. Um maybe even a, a starting quality to replace those guys maybe a small forward uh maybe a shoot definitely a shooting guard somebody along uh definitely you're going to need a wing uh definitely if you know of course KD leaves but even if he stays you might want to get a back a solid backup wing who can get some uh, solid starting minutes of course cuz he's gonna, not going to be there for an entire year so basically i mean i'll be looking to for a, a replacement for KD uh, regardless of whether he stays or not because again he's going to be missing an entire season so you're going to need somebody uh, you're going to need to bring somebody in who can uh, who can work for a full season for you. you know, I'm not saying you're going to get uh, the exact production but you need at least somebody who's going to be able to stand up on his two legs for you for an entire season and give you some type of production whatever it's going to be. you got Tobias Harris out there. You have options uh, for a, a, a strong wing, a capable Wing. Uh, so that's you know you guys have options it's not over it's gonna be difficult I, I'd be a fool to say even if I was a fan I'd be very foolish to say oh we're just gonna it's gonna be easy uh, we're just gonna come back here next year I'll be with a six or seven six seed or fifth season like that I wouldn't be too cocky about it uh, I, I again um, because Clay, it's something about the way that Clay Thompson and, and 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 Steph always work together. There's a tandem that's there. Again, those those original pieces, Iggy, Draymond. Uh, there's a there's a there's a type of way that they work together. I've seen that magic work. It's just not going to be duplicated just because you bring somebody else in. Uh, we saw what happened with KD. Of course, that was different. Uh, but we saw what happened with Demarcus Cousins. A little bit different. It didn't work the way that we necessarily. It didn't work necessarily the way that the Warriors wanted to. Now, did it? So it's hit and miss. You can't just bring in any type of superstar. You can't just bring in any type of players to make everything work and expect it to be uh, the same uh, success. So, again, you guys probably will make the playoff. I'm not saying not, you won't, but definitely a six, uh, six seed, maybe a seven seed. Uh, you'll have to really fight this year. There's gonna be Everybody else is going to be improving and everybody else is going to be healthy. You guys are going to be the only team. Uh, you probably will have a couple new players, of course, with the draft and, and, and free agency. But you will definitely definitely be down uh two players next year two really good players next year so i would not say this is going to be a cakewalk it's not going to be nurkish coming back nurkish will be coming back for the blazers the blazers can make moves in the offseason uh they need to just add a, a 
was a solid wing in order to really put them over the top. Uh, we have the Lakers, who recently signed Anthony Davis. We'll, we'll trade it for Anthony Davis. We'll get to that in just a second. Uh, but they do have him now. They, of course, they have the LeBron fact that they still got Kyle Kuzma and whoever else they can uh, get through free agency. So it is not a cakewalk. Um, definitely not for you guys. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's... It's it's gonna be interesting come next year, but uh, we have one more injury to talk about. Uh, we do uh, they do have Demarcus Cousins. Uh, Mar Demarcus Cousins is 14 games in the playoffs with a torn quad. He suffered in game two of round one. He did return, but he didn't fully recover as well. Uh, so again, you have you have these 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 options here. You do also have Demarcus Cousins. Uh, he has been suffering through injuries as well. Uh, he'll probably look to heal up in the offseason. So the Warriors have a chance um, to keep three solid guys. Guys, uh, the thing is, you know, they will miss significant time, and the question is, what will they be like when they come back? Uh, we already saw Demarcus Cousins kind of, you know, make his comeback, and it had, it was, it wasn't, you know, what we thought it would be. Uh, it was very difficult for him, so um, we'll have to see. Only off, only the offseason will tell. And I think this really, this quote here from Sean Livingston, uh, one of their role players, their point guard out there in Golden, out here in Golden State. I think this quote here kind of sums up the entire ordeal. Um, and it just kind of sheds light on what's going on. And he went on to say, we were dying out there, to be honest. It's crazy. Kevin, Clay, uh, Looney, referring to Kayvon Looney, Dre, no excuses. Give credit to Toronto. Toronto was a good team. But we respect ourselves, no question. So uh, definitely, you know, the injury factor was there. Um I'm not going to, I'm again, um, I'm not a Warriors fan, but just as an NBA fan, I, I understand that there was injuries to account for, uh, but there was injuries to the, to the 2015 cast. So if you want to, if you want to use the excuse there, you got to be able to use it every other, you know, situation. Um, again, I, I find it kind of, you know, I think it's kind of cold that the media does this, um, especially that the 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 fringe guys are the not necessarily the, the popular guys like the, the Shannon Sharps of the world and Nick Wrights of the world. Um, I, I find it funny um, that I've seen this in this generation or this this era of basketball where uh, there was so much that was made of LeBron's failures. Um, yes, he 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 lost three finals, uh, but look at the Warriors; they lost two, and it looks as though the media does not really want to talk about. They spend so much time talking about LeBron's legacy and how he might not be as good. Uh, but you don't hear anybody really saying, oh, the Warriors, you know, they could have had it done or or they, they lost this one. You'll hear, oh, they were injured. You'll hear a lot of excuses, though. Um, I don't. I'll be the first person to tell you I kind of don't get that. Um, again, uh, we, we were so critical about LeBron losing, but, you know, Steph Curry has pretty much lost twice. He has level. He's three and five in the finals, but we're somehow saying, eh, you know, we're kind of uh, mute to that and we're kind of nonchalant about it. I don't get it. Uh, you know, y'all pick and choose whatever superstars y'all want to roast. I don't get it. I'm not a fan of that. Um, I, again, a loss is a loss, and it's significant. This is two losses for the Warriors era in this. And there's two losses for the Warriors in this era, um, and they're significant losses. And we can sit there and say, well, uh, for the first loss, well, we could talk about how Draymond Green was out game six or game five or whatever have you. And this when we could talk about all the injuries. But the fact of the matter is they were elves. And, you know, LeBron did not have anybody in 2015, but everybody was quick to talk about how a failure he was and add that to the 3-6 to the, to the record. Um, so, 
uh, y'all gonna have to take this L. Going to say it again. I'm about to, you know, if if LeBron got to take his L's, if Portland got to take L's, if everybody else get y'all not above reproach. Um, I don't know, you know, this will be this will be this this will be. I don't know who else is gonna talk about y'all, but this will be the tent channel where we're gonna be talking critical about everybody. So that means y'all too. Y'all not exempt. Uh, injuries aside, Toronto did kind of outplay you guys. Just saying. Just, just, just say, just say, say it like it is. Stop saying it was we was injured and all that. You got outplayed a little bit too, you know. Got outcoached in certain moments. Sorry, Nick Nurse is the man. He's gonna be coaching Team Canada, by the way. So that's gonna be interesting. Uh, but we got some a uh, couple more things to talk about. Of course, uh, for the Toronto Raptors, um, their biggest thing right now is Kawhi. You know, he's he's facing free agency. Uh, he has an opportunity to, uh, of course, get a mass contract anywhere he goes. Of course, Toronto uh, would be a fool if they weren't at least thinking about offering him one. Um, so he has a chance to go somewhere else. Uh, well, uh, at the end of the day, has it all worked out? Even if he does leave, uh, was it worth it? Yeah. If you're if you're if you're talking about the first championship uh, for a franchise since they've been around and they've been around for 25 years. Yeah, that's almost 30 years. Yeah, that's I think it's worth it. Um, it would kind of suck if he did leave because, again, you know, they kind of got to build again. But uh, as far as I was concerned, as far as I know from what I've been hearing, that without uh, if they were not able to get Kawhi, they would have slowly uh, done a rebuild on that squad anyway. So. There you go. They just so happen to have a boost uh, for one last year, be able to, you know, get get a rental, uh, get a title. Uh, and then they have a, a whole offseason to kind of figure out what they want to do. So um, that's the biggest issue for Toronto right now. Can they keep Kawhi? A lot of people are saying no. Um I don't know. And I'll tell you just off the top, I don't know. I'm not going to make that decision. Um, that's not, I'm not going to make that, you know, make that call. Uh, that's, that's Kawhi's call uh, based on what he, what he's observed, what he's experienced in, in Toronto. I think in, in terms of what, in terms of what I saw, he's been playing his best basketball. I mean, there's no question that he's uh, one of the top elite basketball players. And I don't, I don't know if he would have been able to do that in uh, San Antonio. I think he would have had dominant numbers. He would have been the best player on that team but i don't think they have a deep playoff run i don't think they make it to the finals i don't think they could be the golden state warriors the spurs do not, that, that spurs even with demar DeRozan, if they were they have some if they were able to pull off some weird stuff in in san antonio like bring in demar DeRozan and have Kawhi and lamarcus aldridge i don't see that team going to the western conference finals so i don't i don't i'm glad he moved on i'm glad he, he, he put himself out there uh of course there was going to be some negative backlash but uh things got to be done for a reason and it was about winning the championship it was about proving uh the league that he could do such a thing um of course um in my opinion, I'm pretty sure um, there was. There's probably both sides to blame in the situation with uh, San Antonio. They might not a good, might not have done a good job uh, in in really treating for him, and maybe Kawhi didn't do a good job of communicating what was really going on with him. Uh, but beside all that, he's he's moved on. Uh, he's made his championship run. Uh, he's definitely made his case for one of the best players in the world, and that's what matters. Um, Another takeaway for the uh, for the Raptors though is their GM. Um, 
he had uh, Masai Ujiri. Uh, he's been there uh, for, I think, 2012. Uh, done a lot of great things. Uh, revamped his team to, in order to get it a championship. And he, as well, is getting some um, offseason interest. Now, he has a deal uh, from Washington, uh, the Wizards. Uh, they were offering him a deal uh, that would pay him $10 million a year. And also, uh, they will also give him ownership equity. Now, one thing I wanted to say... Um, I don't know if he's the first black GM to do it. I'm not going to say that, go on a limb and say that. I'm not too sure. Uh, but just props to him for being a brother to, uh, and not in a, in a, in a uh, front office position. And, he, and, and a good job, a good look on him on having success in that front office position, that leadership position, and uh, taking himself to the top. Um, again, I don't know too much about his story, his background, and I know how, you know, us as black people feel, oh, he from Africa, he from, you know, the island, he ain't black, he ain't the same. He's melanated, and he helps put other melanated brothers on. Uh, so, and he's won a championship, and he showed um, very, he, he showed great success and intelligence and because of that great success and intelligence uh, they're going to be giving him well they're offering him uh, a very a significant pay increase and also ownership equity ownership equity so uh shouts out to any brother who can have that type of success and get an opportunity to have ownership equity based on his success that he's had so i'm going to give him props as well uh, again that is just another fold to what the, the raptors have to go through i don't know if he just ditches the toronto either but uh again time will tell time will tell um we're gonna move on to of course the big trade uh the lakers of course, they were finally able to get it done with the Pelicans. Uh, they were able to get AD. That's what they wanted. Uh, the Pelicans traded AD, Anthony Davis, to the Lakers for Alonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, and three first-round picks, including the fourth from this year. And, yes, for those of you who might not have guessed it, LeVar Ball is pissed. He's already saying the Lakers will never win a championship. I don't, you know... I don't agree with all that. They're going to win something eventually. I don't know when, though, but they're they going to probably win something. Sorry, LeVar. That's just the way it go. Uh, but for AD, we're going to break down the stats uh, real quick. He had a really good year, uh, despite not making the playoffs again. Um, didn't really have a good squad around him, but he had 25.9 points a game. Uh, he had a 59% uh, shooting. Uh, actually, 51% uh, shooting percentage. Uh, also averaged 12 rebounds and also nine assists. I'm sorry, four assists. He also averaged 2.5 blocks a game. So really good on both sides of the ball. Uh, Lonzo Ball, um, he's one of the main pieces going to the Pelicans. He had a a down year. He almost averaged 10 points like he did in his, uh, his rookie year. Uh, but that was done on 40.6% uh, shooting. He also averaged five assists and also five rebounds. So he had a pretty okay numbers um but again i don't know how they're gonna jump you know from going you know to, from la especially when they just signed jason kidd who they you know who they would who, who you would figure would work well with lonzo ball or who you figure they would hire to work with Lon, with lonzo ball but i guess they don't want him uh josh hart uh he had a okay season as well he averaged almost eight points almost four rebounds he also add uh added four assists to his totals as oh, assist a game to his totals as well and then finally brandon ingram he had 18 and a half, 18 points last year on 44 percent shooting he also averaged five rebounds and three assists so uh i mean the pelicans do get some 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 young pieces you know you know they're not completely chipped but Again, AD will um, pretty much 
uh, be signing long-term with the Lakers. So they do have that option there. The Lakers do have that there. Uh, Julius Randle uh, has decided to look uh, to opt for free agency. So that kind of sucks. So New Orleans, they bring in some pieces, but then they lose their big man. So I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, they're pretty much going to draft. They're going to draft, you know, uh, your boy Zion Williamson with the first pick anyway. So there you go. Put. Uh, other poss other draft possibilities for the for the New Orleans Pelicans now since they got a few more pieces. Uh they got that fourth that fourth pick. Uh they got they, they got a choice of RJ Barrett. They also could get John Morant at the point guard position. I'm not too sure if that works out because again they already got, you know, Alonzo Ball. They also got Drew Holiday as well. They already got Alfred Payton as well. So they got they're loaded at the point guard position. They have a lot of guards. They need to get some big men. Maybe they need to trade some pieces or something. Um they got uh, Stanley Johnson, a pretty decent small forward as well. That's who they have on that roster as we as we speak. A couple of key players. Oh, it's like I said, they got Drew Holiday, but again, uh, I don't know. I think I mean, I think both teams did okay. I mean, of course, um, the Lakers got the superstar that they wanted. Of course, you know, LeBron is advanced in age. We don't know what he looks like next year. Uh, we don't know who else they haul. You know, what else? who else they bring in or about offseason. So we don't know that they just explode either. Of course, they got LeBron. They still got Kyle Kuzma. They got Alex Caruso, a strong shooting guard. They seem to like, who's had some pretty good games last season. So, um, I mean, again, they'll probably improve. They look, they're, they're going to definitely improve, that being the Lakers. Uh, but I don't know how much more they're going to improve. Again, I think a lot, of these, a lot of these teams were already better than them. And I think just adding Anthony Davis and an old you know, older LeBron James. I, I don't think it just clears out. I don't think they just run rubber shot of the league. Uh, they've already given the seven two odds to win seven to two odds to win the NBA Finals. I think they're riding them too hard. I'm, I'm sorry, and I'm kind of tired of the media just finding any way to just uh, get on LeBron. You know, get on LeBron's tip for whatever reason. I'm kind of tired of that. I don't think he's all that raw anymore. I saw what I saw last year. I'm not really convinced, and he's one of my favorite players. So and I'm kind of just done with the media overhyping the Lakers. I'm done with the the, the, um, the media overhyping the Rockets. I think they're really overhyped. They're still trying to overhype the Warriors. They're 11 to one odds with not with no KD or Clay Thompson. I'm sorry, I don't I don't buy them making it to the Western Finals. I'm not gonna I'm not even I don't even see them making it to the Western Finals. I'm sorry. Um, as of today, without KD or Clay Thompson, no. Um, the media right now, I'm not really a fan of it. The, the mainstream NBA media, I'm gonna have to come at them with the next couple of over the next couple of days because I'm not having what they're talking about. Okay, so I'm, I'm gonna take one last quick break, y'all. And when I come back, of course, we're gonna be going over some baseball. Um, we're going over the scores from yesterday, and then we're going over the uh, standings as well. Let y'all know what's going on at the top of the week. All right, y'all. I'll be right back. All right, y'all, I'm back. Like I said, I'm going to be going over some MLB action. Uh, let's go over the scores from yesterday real quick. Uh, we're going to start off in the AL East with the Red Sox getting it done against the Orioles, 8-6. to six. Uh, The Indians got it done against the Tigers in some AL Central action, 8-0 to zero is the final score there. The Rays were able to beat their Angels, 6-5. to five. We've got some interleague squad play. The Reds were able to beat the Rangers 11-3. For the Reds, they were led by their outfitter, Jesse Winkler. He had four hits yesterday, including a two-run double. He was able to drive in five runs as well. Right fielder Yasiel Puig from Dodgers fame also got three hits. He also was able to drive in two runs as well. And pitcher Sonny Gray got the win. He was able to go for five innings. He gave up uh, three runs, but he got eight strikeouts as well. And for the Rangers, their right 
right fielder, uh, Hunter Pence, was able to get a two-run home run for them. Uh, but he's going to have an MRI today because he pulled his groin, and he will be missing some significant time. And for those of you who might uh, know the name, uh, Hunter Pence is a famous uh, giant, SF giant. Uh, Y'all know about him. My Giants fans at least do. He's the one talking about that championship blood. Oh, weirdo. Yeah. Well, whatever. Moving on, we got the Cardinals here. Uh, they were able to get the win against the Mets yesterday, four to three. We also got the Pirates getting it done against the Marlins, five to four. The Phillies, whoo, they took a big slacking from the uh the Braves, fifteen to one is the final score there in some AL NL East play. Uh, we got the Yankees getting it uh getting it done against the White Sox, ten to three. For the Yankees, they were led by their center fielder Brett Gardner. He went two for four, so two hits out of four at bats. He also drove in four runs. Their catcher. Mm, excuse me, Austin Romy. Uh, he hit four RBIs as well, including a two-run double. He also hit a two-run single as well. And James Paxton got the win. Uh, he went for six innings, gave up eight hits, three earned runs, uh, actually two, just two earned runs, and he also had seven strikeouts as well. And for the White Sox, uh, they got a good two-run homer from their uh, catcher, James McCann, but that was about it for them. Uh, moving on, uh, we have some more uh, AL action, uh, AL Central to be exact. The Royals got a little upset against the, the Twins, the, uh, the division-leading Twins, 8-6. to six. That's the final score there. The Blue Jays were able to blank the Astros. How? I don't know. 12-0 is the final score. Uh, the Padres, and this was my... This was my game of the day yesterday. The Padres were able to get it done against the Rockies 14-13. to God damn, just hella runs all over the place. You don't really hear about that going on in baseball too much. That's a football school almost. But anyways, the Padres, they got some work from their second baseman, Greg Garcia. Uh, he had a really good game. He had four hits, four RBIs. Um, their right fielder, Hunter Renfro, also had three hits and three RBIs. And Manny Machado also got an RBI as well. Uh, for the Rockies, they were led by Chase Blackman. He had three hits, three RBIs. Um, their second baseman, Ryan McMahon, also had three hits and three RBIs. So a bunch of hits, a bunch of RBIs. Even their pitcher for the Rockies, uh, Peter Lambert, got a two-run, two put in two RBIs as well. So uh, RBIs all over the place, but the Padres were able to get it done by just one. So moving on, we got some more uh, NL, NL play. Uh, the Brewers were able to get it done against the Giants, 5-3. to three. I think they were able to win that series uh, as well. Uh, they did lose on Saturday to the Giants, though, so there is that. Uh, but the Mariners, uh, they were able to get it done against the A's, 6-3. Boo, I'm not happy about that, of course. And finally, in the big dog, in the big-time primetime game, the Dodgers game were able to get it done uh, against the Cubs here, 3-2. to two. Uh, Wrapping everything up for Sunday. We're going to go into the standings real quick. We're going to start off in the AL East. This is what we normally do. You know about this. Um, the, a the Yankees, excuse me, are on top of the AL East. 43-27 and 27 is their current record. They are Five and five in their last ten. Up next, we have the Rays. They are just a half game back at forty-three and twenty-eight. They've also gone five and five in their last ten. So these two teams right here, they're competing. They're gonna they're gonna be chomping at the bit. I think this is gonna be one of the more entertaining races in baseball. Of course, the loser of this uh, the list of this division, they still have a shot at the playoffs. Uh, they're just gonna have to go through the wild card. But whoever loses is definitely getting a wild card uh, spot. Whether it be the Yankees or the Rays, they definitely got that first playoff spot or that first play in 
spot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're going on to the number three spot. We have the Red Sox here at 39 and 34. They are currently five and a half games back, and they've gone six and four in the last 10 days. They're steadily improving. Um, they just got to keep, they just got to be a little bit more consistent. Uh, six and four is a good start, though, in the last 10. The Blue Jays and the Orioles make up the bottom of the AL East. The Blue Jays are at 26 and 45, and the Orioles are at 21 and 50. You already know I've already put a, put a fork in those two guys. They're done. Blue Jays, Orioles, done. Put a put a put a put those birds in the oven. Okay, it's like Thanksgiving. Uh, we're gonna go to the AL Central. The Twins are still on top. I don't know how they've been able to do it this year. Um, pitching for one uh, is 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 a good is a good start. Uh, at some point this week, I'm going to be breaking down some of the stats. We'll be going over the top home run uh, home run guys, the, the top pitchers of the league. We'll be going over stats soon, so you kind of get another idea, another another uh, another fold into the season. But but right now, we're just going to go through these standings real quick. Uh, the Twins are 7-3 in their last 10 as well. So we're going to move on to the number two spot. The Indians are 37-33. and They are currently 10 games back. They've gone 7-3 and in their last 10. They've also been on the come up as well. A lot of improvement uh, over the last couple of weeks. They're still significantly behind the Twins, but uh, they're looking a lot better. The, uh, the the White Sox, excuse me, are 34 and 36. That is good enough for third. They are 13 games back. They are five and five in the last ten. Um, I don't know about the White Sox. I don't think they're gonna make it this year. Just just being honest with you guys. Sorry, sorry for my White Sox fans. I don't know where y'all at, but. Y'all suck. Uh, moving on to the bottom, we have the Tigers and the Royals here. They both got 25 wins. The Tigers have 43 losses, and the Royals have 48 wins. And, of course, that means you can put a fork in both of those guys. Uh, moving on to the AL West, of course, the Astros are still on top with one of the best records in all of baseball. 48-24 and 24 is their overall record. They've gone 6-4 and four in their last 10. Up next, we have the Rangers. Yes, they took a loss yesterday, um, but, again, they're back at number two. In the AL West, they are 38 and 33, nine and a half games back. So there's a significant gap between them and the Astros. I still see the Astros pretty much winning this division, uh, hands down, with at least I would say with at least five games to spare. Why not? They've also gone six and four in the last in their last ten, not being the Rangers. Up next, we have the Rays in the third place spot. They are 500 at 36 and 36. They are 12 games back. They've also gone five and five in their last ten. And we have the uh, Angels at the fourth place spot, 35 and 37, 15 games back. They've gone five and a, five and five in the last ten, and finally we have the Mariners. They're thirty-one and forty-four. I'm gonna put a fork in them. I'm really gonna put a fork in the Angels at some point too. I don't really see fifteen games back is way too far. The A's. I mean, unless they get unless they don't get hot in the summer, unless they you know this is usually the time they do get hot around July. Well, no, we gotta wait July, August. We'll have to see what July and August brings for the A's, but. Mm -hmm. I might have to chop them away, chop them away too, because uh, with the way that the we got the Twins at forty-seven wins already, we got the Rays already in their forties, uh, forty-three wins. Uh, Red Sox are almost at forty wins. It's hard to get one of those. It's gonna be hard to get one of those playoffs, one of those even those wild card spots. I don't see it. Um, yeah, the Indies are at thirty-seven wins already. Uh, you, I mean, they're they're still technically in the race for a wild card, but it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. We got the Rangers already up, you know, a couple games on us. Yeah, 
That's all I can say. It's going to be difficult. Uh, moving on to the NL, starting off in the NL East, we have the, the Braves. Of course, they're on top. Uh, they've been having a good stretch of baseball recently. They're 42 and 30, uh, and they've gone 9 and 1 in the last 10. So they're looking really good. They were numbered in the two spot for a while, but they just kept eating away, eating away. I I had them as a favorite in the NL East, even with the Bryce Harper trade. That was my team, in my opinion. The team to beat was the Atlanta Braves. Uh, there, here they are. Uh, moving on to the number two spot, we have the Phillies, 39 and 32, two and a half games back. They've also gone five and five in their last 10. We have the Mets here at number three. They are 34 and 37, seven and a half games back. They are five and five in their last 10. And then we have the net, the Nationals here, 33 and 38, eight and a half games back, five and five in their last 10. And of course, at, of course, at the bottom, we have the 25 and 44 Marlins. We don't need to worry about them. Um, this is probably one of the more competitive divisions. Uh, we'll have to see uh, just what the Nats can do. The Phillies are, you know, relatively close. And we also have the Mets there. Uh, seven and a half games, which is not too bad. I mean, it's better than the distance than it's better than some of these other teams. Like, you know, you go to the NL Central, uh, I mean, the AL Central, the Indians are 10 games back from the Twins. And the Cubs, you know, they're third place. They're 13 games back from the Twins, the division leader. Uh, and the same thing in the AL West. You know, you got the third place A's that are 12, that are 12 games back from the Astros. Uh, even the second place team, they're nine and a half games back. So that's significant. Uh, the AL, the NL East is pretty close. We'll see how it goes. Uh, they don't have, they don't, they don't look great. They, the records don't look great, uh, but the teams are relatively close to each other. Moving on to the NL Central, still kind of the same thing. The records might not look great, but the teams are kind of relatively close to each other. The Brewers are still on top. They are 40 and 31. They've gone 64 in their last 10. The Cubs are right on their heels game back. They are 39 and 32, five and five in their last 10. Up next, we have the Cardinals, who are three and a half games back at 36 and 34. They've also gone five and five in their last 10. We have the Pirates here at 32 and 39, eight games back, two and eight in their last 10. And rounding out the rear, we have the Reds here at 31 and 38. They're also eight games back, and they're four and six in the last 10. So you can kind of see uh, this division, even this division here, is even a little bit closer. Uh, you have the, the, uh, the Cardinals, uh, three and a half games back, the Cubs right up on the Brewers, the division leader with just one game to go, uh, one game between them. And then you have the bottom two teams that are eight games back. But again, that's different from the AL West where your fourth place team is 13 games back. Would you rather be 13 or eight games back? So that's... That's what you. That's what you're dealing with right now, and then you're gonna go to the eight, the NL West. You have some significant distance here. The Dodgers are at 48 and 24, five to five in the last ten, uh, and and here come the Rockies, 37 and 34. They had a really good win yesterday, but again, they're ten and a half games back, five and five in the last ten, and then you have the, the Diamondbacks. They have been slowly working their way back up. But again, at 38 and 35, there are ten and a half games back, and they've gone. Uh, excuse me. Um, Five and five, five and five in their last ten. So, uh, the Dodgers, I, I think they win his division. I think this they win his division division with at least three or four games to spare. Uh, which is the way that both of these two guys in the second and third place spot are playing. The Rockets and the Diamondbacks, they might switch places. Uh, but I still got the Dodgers winning this division. Uh, bringing up the rear here in the NL West, we have the, the Padres here at thirty five and thirty seven. They are thirteen games back. They've gone four and seven in the last ten. And of course, we have the Giants here. They've made it to the 30 win mark. They're 30 and 39. Uh, they've five and five in their last 10. 
I'm going to put a fork in them, though, as well. I don't really see uh, how they're going to improve. And then on top of that, there's there's the, there's the word out here that the Yankees are interested in acquiring Madison Bumgarner, one of their top aces. So if they lose him, I'm not I'm not buying them uh, for anything. Uh, but for now, y'all, we're going to call it a quick we're going to call it a wrap. Uh, I'm still working on that artist profile for Sade. So I will be having that uh, later on to you in the, in the next couple of days. Of course, we'll be going deeper in on this oil tanker attack out there in the Middle East. I got to get to the bottom of it. I don't trust Trump. I don't trust what they're talking about. I think they're trying to pull some stuff. But again, you got to know all the facts first, so I can't just say that off top. Um, we also going to be going over some basketball news as well. Of course, we have the draft, the draft on its way. And um, you know what? That's just how we do it for tonight. For, but for now, we're going to call it a wrap. If anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you. Y'all take care. Peace out. One love. I will holla at y'all. If y'all looking to get in touch with me, of course, I am on Facebook and Instagram at L Jamal Johnny. That is E-L-J-A-M-A-H-A-D-J-A-N. And I also got a PayPal and also got a uh, <laughs> the cash app as well. If you're looking for those links, I will be putting those up on the Facebook page uh, shortly. Of course, we do have a Facebook page for the show. Of course, the show, you already know what the name of the show is, Never Out of Bounce. That is the Facebook page as well. You're going to see the tiger just like you see everywhere else when I'm referring to me. So that's how we're doing it. Uh, we're going to start the week off right. Again, once again, I love y'all. Thank y'all for listening. I'm going to be back at it again soon. Uh, again, I love y'all, and I'm going to I'm gonna head out. All right now, peace.